So I saw that my name wasn't spelled right in the bulletin, and I assumed that was because I haven't been here my entire life. Wait, no, I have. So my other assumption was that it's because I didn't put notes in again, and I was asked to put notes in last time, and I didn't do it again, so they're like, we're just going to spell your name wrong. So, <laughs> so that's my suspicion. I don't really know if that's the case or not, but that's what I'm going with right now. All right, so... We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit again, um, which is what we talked about the last time um, that I spoke. Um, But right now, I would like to first start with prayer. And as I always ask, I would ask you to pray in agreement with me. I would ask you to be praying for me and also for your ears to be open to what God is speaking. So just join me. Father, I just thank you for your grace in our lives, that you um, just pour yourself out abundantly over and over and over and over again, God, and that you have filled us with your spirit um, to speak forth truths, to speak forth your kingdom into this world, and that it changes everything, and that you've called us to love one another, and you've called us to work and move in power and authority that you've already accomplished for us, God, and I just ask that you would open our eyes to more and more of these things. You'd give me the words to speak, and then you'd give us the ears to hear what you're speaking to me through the Spirit. In Jesus' name. All right, so um, as I said last time I spoke on Holy Spirit, does anybody kind of remember some of the stuff that we talked about from the last time, last two times? Do what? The entire Bible. Good job. That was pretty much what we did both times. <laughs> Some stuff with Genesis. So yes, yeah, so like there was, there's a lot of temple imagery in Genesis, which is um, then seen throughout like how the actual temple is then made. When, whenever you see Solomon's temple, it's actually like playing back to Genesis 1 and 2. That's, it's, the, it's temple imagery. So a temple is what? It's where the presence of God dwells. So that's, that's what it is. Like it's the hot spot of God's presence here with his people. So then when Paul says, hey, you guys are temples, that means oh, whoa, we're that, we're that dwelling place where God and man dwell together. And then Paul also says, hey, not just you individually, but you corporately. All of you guys together, you guys are all one temple. And Peter's like, yeah, actually, you guys are living stones being built together as one, one uh, giant temple together. So, so yes, that's what we have. Um, that was part of what I spoke on was some of that temple imagery. So um, one of the other things that I think is difficult whenever... Um, I, if, I'm, if I'm speaking on, on Holy Spirit here, we're familiar with the Holy Spirit. We're familiar with um, signs and wonders, or at least being um, open to that, that the Holy Spirit moves in that way. Um, we're familiar with people speaking in tongues. We're familiar with people being healed. Um, and I think that, that at the same time, um, it can just seem potentially like, yeah, that's normal. That's the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes I see it, sometimes I don't. Um, We get kind of this vague recollection that like, that's the way life is supposed to be, but I don't always see it. And so like, we kind of live in this like, yeah, familiarity. Yeah, I don't always see it. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be real. Yeah, it is real. And there's just kind of sometimes some sort of a vagueness. And then when we, when we look into the Holy Spirit, we, it seems like the grandness of the Holy Spirit is then lacking. Like what, like, what has been given? So, like, let's, let's remember that in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth, and he, he made and formed man, and, and he did what? He breathed breath into man, right? He breathed his breath into man, and then he, he tells them, hey, I put these two trees here. Don't eat of the one, because in the day that you eat of it, you'll surely die. They ate of it, and they, they didn't die. That's weird. In that day, they didn't die in that exact day that they were eating. So something else happened. So then you move all the way forward, all the way to John 20, 22, And it's like, and Jesus breathes his breath onto them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. It's just playing right back to Genesis 2. Okay, you, are you guys following me? Like it's, it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit being brought in. There was a spiritual death at the very beginning. And now he's going, this is the first time that you actually get to be fully human once again. Like yes, in the Old Testament, we have all of these um, different times, Moses, Ezekiel, these different prophets, and they, they are filled with the Spirit. But this is the first time that a mass quantity of people are finally going, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm breathing the life that you had from Genesis 2, from Genesis 3 up until now, yet a few people, a few people 
had the spear in them, but I'm actually giving you back to the call that you had from the garden. Now go out and do all of these wonderful things. You guys tracking with me? Is this all making sense? Okay. So I want us to go and remember and realize, all right, so if, if that's true, we are actually finally, truly going to live as human beings from Genesis 1 and 2. Not, I'm, I'm not talking about human beings that we see from Genesis 3 to, to the New Testament. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we go back to the beginning where we were actually called to do these things, go out, have dominion, subdue, cultivate, be fruitful, and multiply. You're, we're actually going to go back and do those things. That's why when Jesus is like, hey, go, be, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all of these different things, these signs will follow you. It's all going back to Genesis 1 and 2 going, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We finally get our call back. So, this all just foundational pieces so that we are all on the same page for where I actually want to go. That has nothing to really do with what I'm trying to say today. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. This is, like, this is why it is important for us is because like, we finally get to live back into the beginning. Like We're finally living into what God called us to. So there's something far greater than what we tend to live into. And I want us to live into that higher thing that God has called us to live into. Are you guys with me? Okay. So, Jesus sends out his disciples. Go make disciples, proclaiming the kingdom. These signs will follow those who believe. They'll heal the sick. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll cast out demons. They'll drink deadly poison. They won't die. Paul gets bit by a snake, doesn't die. Jesus says they'll have all authority um, to have over unclean spirits. They'll be raising the dead. It's like, wow. Like, that's, like, these things will follow those who believe. Right? These things will follow those who believe. Like, those things that I just said, those are following those who believe. We're believers, right? Okay, so just making sure we're all on the same page. These are the things that are following those who believe. These are the things that should be following us. I'm not like, this is not be like, well, are those things following you? What's wrong with you? That's not like, I'm just saying like, do we know, like, do we know what's supposed to be? So like, if it's not, there's a, there, like, we're not in full communion with Christ yet. Like, we're still, like, there's more that we need to be tapping into. We need to be spending more time in the word. We need to be spending more time learning, what is it to walk by the spirit? If these things aren't in me, it's not like, oh, like, I must not actually be. No, it's like, let's turn that back to him right? It's not a condemnation. It's not like, it's not like, oh, poor, sorry me. It's, well, if this is lacking, let's turn it back. Let's figure out where it's supposed to be, right? So amazing things, all of these wonderful signs and wonders. And it's like, yeah, like that sounds like absolutely awesome. And then what is it that Jesus' disciples are are supposed to be known for? Love. Love. Yeah. So they will be known by their loves. So all of these signs and wonders, like who else is raising the dead? Who else is doing these things? Who else is speaking in all of these different tongues? Who else is just like healing different people and, and drinking a poison and no one, like not dying? Like that's just crazy. And Jesus is like, yeah, 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 that's great, that's great. What my people, like these things will follow you. But that's not what you're going to be known for. You're going to be known for your love. That like, that's crazy, like, that these things are so amazing to us, and that in turn, though, we're supposed to be known for something so simple as giving a cup of water, as giving a coat, as sharing possessions. That's mind-boggling. Like, if I'm going to be, like, looking at somebody, I'm going to be like, you know that guy that heals? You know that guy that, he's casting out demons left and right. He's speaking in all these tongues, but does he have love? He's just a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Even if I had all utterance to speak, all prophecy, know all things, understanding, knowledge, mysteries of every kind, and I didn't have love, 
What is it? Like, who cares? Right? So Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So just as he loved us. How did he love us? To the point of giving himself completely up. Like, he completely gave himself up for us. And he's going, that kind of love? That's what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you, give yourself completely up. Let's turn to, real quick, Philippians 2. Already off the notes. That's exciting. So Philippians 2 starts and says, So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. So you guys, complete my joy by being of the same mind. You guys, being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. So in humility, count others, so everybody here, count everybody else here as more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So have this mind, the mind that he's about to tell you, have the same mind as Christ. So have this mind among yourselves, which, which is yours. So have this mind that is already yours. Okay? Have this mind, have this mind among yourselves, which is, is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped onto, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that's how we're to love. Love just as Christ loved us. He's like, These are the t- this is the way that I'm asking you to love. And he's like, have this mind in you that he, he, he it says, uh, he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped onto. He didn't count it as something, to, a thing to be held to as an advantage. So he comes actually like, a lot of times we'll think to ourselves, he's casting out demons, he's healing people because he's Jesus, because he's God. He's fully 100% human being. He didn't count his godness. He gave that up. Like, he is fully God. He is truly God. But he's not casting these things out because he's God. That's not what he's doing. He's fully 100% human being. He's humbling himself, gave up every, he didn't consider godness to be grasped onto, something to be held as an advantage, to be like, yeah, well, I can do this because I'm God. No. He is the perfect representation of who we are supposed to be. So when we look at his life, we go, oh, the things that I see him do, those are the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And he's saying, have this mind also in you, that you, that you would humble yourself, that you would just give up everything. When he talks about, and, and Luke, and I don't remember the other one, when he's like, if you want to be my disciple, you give it all up. Like, just humble yourself. Think of the interests of others above your own self. That's, like, that's the life that we're called to live, that we're, we so love one another, that we so are so emptied that the poor in spirit will, have, will receive the kingdom of God, that we so empty ourselves that we're receiving the kingdom of God and not just receiving it, but bringing it out through us. You guys all tracking with me still? Is this making sense? Okay, back to the notes. So, then we go to Acts 2, because that's the, that's the early church, right? That's like, we just have 3,000 converts happen, and this is, this, is the, this is the beginning of like the Jesus movement, the church really taking off and really becoming something. Like this is the beginning, of something, of something of what we're called to be. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is, I mean, this is kind of like, let's be looking at this because this is a picture of who we're supposed to be. Because this is the early church. We are members 
of the church of Christ, right? So when we look at this, this is something of like, if this is happening, we should also be doing some of these things. So, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So great, many signs and wonders being done. That's awesome. And all who believed were together and, all things in, and had all things in common. And they, were willing, or, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing, them, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So like you get to see like, yes, signs and wonders are happening and they're going, but somebody else has need and I can do something about it. So I'm going to, because we're going to be known by our signs and wonders. No, by our love. Signs and wonders will follow us, but we're known by our love. Thank you. Whew, you guys are getting it. All right. Wasn't sure for a second there. So this, like, this topic of love isn't a isn't a light and like additional topic that the New Testament writers are like, yeah, and we'll write a little bit about love, or it's not that big a deal, you can do some of this stuff, but love actually is a pretty big deal. So Peter, in 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, come on, above all, love each other, but like above all, so if all is here, above that, Above all. So this is super important, right? I'm, not, I mean, I'm trying to make a point that it's not just like, we're going to talk a, a little bit about love. He's saying, above everything else, above everything else, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Colossians 3.14, and above all these, put on love. Above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In 1 Corinthians 16, and I don't know if you know how many chapters are in uh, 1 Corinthians, but there are 16. And as Paul often does at the end of a book, he'll kind of do this little thing where he's like, hey, and say hello to so-and-so, and make sure you take care of this person, and by the way, this person says hi, and so on and so forth. So this is actually the last verse before he does that. The very last verse in the book of 1 Corinthians, before he says, you know, make sure you're doing these things for these people, and this person says hi. The thing that he says at the very end is, let all that you do be done in love. That's the last thing he wants to leave them with. Let everything... Let me say that one more time. Let everything be done in love. So we have, above all, above all these, let everything, pretty big topic, pretty important, not light, not like a side item. All right, so how many of you guys have heard of the name Robert Chapman? Anybody? Oh, <laughs> my dad has. <laughs> yeah, no? Okay, Robert Chapman. So he was a lawyer in England in the 1800s and then became a pastor um, in Barnstable, England. This little congregation. He was actually known um, as, people would call him an apostle of love. Like he loved people. He was so well known for his love that people were like, yeah, that is an apostle of love. Like this man loves people. Charles Spurgeon, you know, just a lightweight guy. Not, no big name. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, Robert Chapman was the most saintly man he ever met. I, th I mean, I'm pretty sure Charles Spurgeon met quite a few people. And he's like, Robert Chapman, saintliest man I've ever met in my entire life. So Robert Chapman was a lawyer, becomes a pastor. The, the history of this church in the last 18 months had three different pastors because they were so contentious. They so had rivals amongst themselves. They were such a problematic group that the pastors didn't stay. The pastors weren't a help. It just didn't work. And Robert Chapman comes in and his love for people his patience with them and his biblical teaching changed everything about who they were. 
They became so known for the evangelism to the other people, to loving the congregations around them, to just being the body of Christ, that people would write things about this congregation. Like, there was actually a point where his group, his, his body of believers that he is leading actually had a division. A small sect broke off, and they actually came back, and they're like, actually, we want, we want this sanctuary. This, this building, this is where we're going to meet. You can't meet here anymore. And he actually had the bigger group. And he's like, well, let me look. Let me look into the little legal laws and stuff like that, see whether, like, whether this is actually something that can happen. And he comes back and he goes, actually, no. Like, this is actually technically legally ours. You can't have it. And they kept pressing. And so they had a prayer meeting. And he decided, you know what? This is the same as me giving a coat for another person. Guys, we're, we're going to move out. We're going to let the group that divided from us, they're going to have this. And we're going to go find someplace, someplace else to, to, to be, to meet. So whether that's rented space or somebody's house, I don't know. History doesn't have it written down. But they moved out and gave it to this smaller group. So they're meeting someplace else. They've got this new place picked out after a while. It's on the main east-west stretch of town. It's really close to his house. It's looking perfect. And it's like, this is, guys, we're going to pray about this. This looks like this is what we're going to do. So they start looking at the legal issues, trying to figure out how can we go about getting this. They start making all this stuff happen. Wheels start turning. Seems like it's going to happen. Church of England comes in and goes, actually, we were looking at building there. So we're going to build um, a building. And so you can't do that. So again, they kind of look into it. And it's like, well, we kind of had like first dibs. I don't know that this is like... I don't know that you can legally just take that from us at this point. So they again have another prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, Robert Chapman has the verse from Philippians, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. And he's like, yep, guys, we're giving it up again. Like, this isn't for us. This is, this is for, like, this isn't for our congregation as if we're the most important. This is for the unity of the body of Christ. Right? So he's like, no, let our forbearing spirit be known to everyone. So they meet with the Church of England, tell them, yeah, this is all yours. You guys can have it. So finally they do get a place, but they are so well known to the other congregations around them that no one can say a bad word about him. They're like, he's the most humble man we've ever met, the most loving man we've ever met. Their congregation loves and cares for so many people because it came from who he was, that he cared and loved so much for them. And that, like, that is a picture of what we're supposed to, like, like, it's so different and so different thought process than what we're used to. And that's what we're supposed to be going, all right, what is the loving response here? How do I love in this instance? How do I walk out what love looks like, like Jesus did to us? And that's what Robert Chapman did over and over and over and over again in his life. So, if we're going to talk about love, and we're going to talk about it from the Bible, where should we go? Yeah, that's where everybody was going to go. So, the love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. That's where we're going to head. So, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Ha, fooled you. So you've got all of these different things that Paul's like, all of these different gifts, all of these different things. You know, each one is distributed a gift and all of these different things. Some of them, you know, um, have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, healings, prophecy, all these different things. Great. Awesome. Summarize that. Um, then we get into, all right, this is the body. We're supposed to be using these to build up the body, right? This is like, that's the whole point, building up the body. Um, no one is useless. Everybody has a part that they play. You can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eyes, like, yeah, the hand, not a big deal. We don't need that. So, no, it's like, no, all of these things are a part of it. And you get down to the last verse, and it says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Then right after that, and I will show you still a more excellent way. So you've got 1 Corinthians 13. So earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And actually, I'm going to actually show you a more excellent way first.
before we get into even more about the spiritual gifts. I'm going to show you an ex- a more excellent way than just the spiritual gifts. So it gets into 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. So we're going to skip that real quick. Jump to 1 Corinthians 14, and it starts, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12 ends, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I'm going to show you a more excellent way, and that way is love. 1 Corinthians 14 starts, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So like this, this couplet back and forth between like, this is what you're supposed to be pursuing, but I'm going to actually show you a better way. Let me show you it right here. And then make sure you're pursuing love and then be living out the spiritual gifts. You guys see that there? You guys all with me still? Are we falling asleep? I'm sorry. I'll try not to be boring. So, all right. So we have in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have the prophetic powers and understandings of all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have, and if, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. You guys hear that? Do you guys hear that in context with everything else that's been shared today? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So skip down. So faith, hope, and love. Love abides. These three. The greatest of these is love. So the greatest of these is love. So a lot of times we'll be like, all right, love is important, but side item, I'm kind of lacking patience. I'm going to be praying for patience. What is patience a deficiency of? Love. So if you're lacking patience, it's a love deficiency, right? That's what we should be praying for. God, like, fill me up with love. Like, that's the issue. It's not that I'm just lacking in patience. Like, love is patient. So if I'm lacking patience, I'm lacking love. Love is kind. If I'm not being kind, if I'm lacking in kindness, love is kind. I don't need to pray for kindness. I need to be praying that, God, that you would... So change me that you would so put love so deep in me that that's what comes out. It is, I'm naturally patient because I'm loving. I'm naturally kind because I'm loving. I'm naturally long suffering because I'm loving. I naturally have self control because I'm filled with the love of God. Problem is, some of us will read the word and see everything that we're not. We'll be like, mm, there we go. Yep, not patient. That's my problem. Not patient. I'm not kind. Don't have self-control. That's not the way. And, the, and, the, and then we'll come and we'll be like, oh, Lord, miserable sinner that I am. I come before you. I know I shouldn't even be here. I'm so sorry. Let me back up a step. All right. Miserable sinner that I am, God. Would you just please grant me some patience. It's like, no, he has actually already, like, he has filled us with his spirit. He has united us with him in Christ. Like, let us not pray from a lack, but the, like, if we ever pray from a lack of unity in Christ, that's a wrong prayer. Like, if our mind is, like, lacking and going, I am, like, oh, God, poor me. I wish that I could. No, you already are one in Christ, right? So if I'm praying apart from being one in Christ, it's a wrong prayer, So, when we pray, God, I just thank you so much that you have revealed to me 
that this lack of patience, this lack of kindness, whatever it be, God, that you, that you saw, and you saw before I was even formed in my mother's womb, that you saw my purpose, you saw my identity, that you saw a vision for who I was des- destined to be, and that you didn't just leave me to just like figure this out on my own, but that you actually came, and you, you came and you draw me to yourself, that you, you poured your spirit out, that you poured yourself out to bring me back to you. God, I want to live so in, in line with who you have called me to be that, you, that it's your spirit that walks out of me, that I'm so like in, in you and, and, and that I know you and that you know me, that the greater that I know you, the more I'm going to walk out of who I am. And God, I just ask that you would reveal that to me. And I thank you that you've actually revealed this issue in me because you, I know that you already made me one in you. And that that's, the, that's the long goal. That's the purpose. That's what you've called me to be, is to be one in you. So God, I just ask that you would fill me up, that you would make me one, that you would fill up my deficiencies, that I would walk out love into this world. That's our prayers. Right? Not, oh, poor, sorry, me. Let me back up a step, maybe three. Like, I just don't feel like I belong. Are you a son? Are you a daughter? Have the Holy of Holies been tore open so that the presence of God can come into all of creation so the glory of God covers the earth, covers the earth like the waters cover the sea? Are we a part of bringing that? Are we a part of doing that? Are we allowed into his presence? Do we actually carry his presence because we're temples? What's our prayers look like? It's not a deficiency. It's a, this is who I am, God, and I thank you that you've opened my eyes to see this. It's not a coming and going, uh, let me, you know, this is everything that I'm not. No, God, you have revealed to me, and I so thank you that you have revealed this to me, and I so thank you that you saw my identity when no one else did. I so thank you that you saw my purpose when I didn't see my purpose. I so thank you that you're creating and forming and changing me from the inside out. I so thank you that I am going to be one in you, that I am going to be so united to you that people can't see the difference between me and you because I have become you. That's what I'm called to be. The word made flesh into creation, and he's saying, this is what you are to be too. You're supposed to be me into the world. So don't pray yourself apart from Christ. You don't need to bear down and try to become something. It's not my work, right? It's I love because he first loved me. So if I'm trying to love out of me, I have a finite quantity of love that I can just naturally put out, which isn't that much. But if I am loving because I have this relationship with a being who is fully and truly love, who has an infinite quantity and quality of love. It's not my love, right? It's not my love that's coming out. It's his love. So I love because he first loved me. I love him back because he first loved me. I love you because he first loved me. It's when I get this right, when I get my relationship with him in line, that that is the first thing, my intimacy with him, my time spent in his word, my time knowing who he is, when I figure that, when I get that like, as my central place, everything just flows. It's not my love that comes out. It's not my patience. It's not my kindness. It's not my giftings. It's not my, like, it's not, I can't find my identity from gifts that I do, from the things that follow me. That's not where I find my identity. That's all flowing from an intimacy with him. If we want to see these things follow us, if we want to see what love looks like in us, let's step back a step. Let's step back actually like a lot of steps and just go, This is where it begins. It begins with intimacy. It begins with a closeness, with a knowing and being known. So like, think about for a second Matthew 7. When in Matthew 7, you got people who are actually casting out demons, who are prophesying, who are healing people, and they come and Jesus is like, yeah, well, in the end, actually, I never knew you. So what's what's the primary there? The primary is intimacy. Knowing, being known, right? That's, like, that's the primary thing there. So let's make sure that that's where we begin. Like, let's step all the way back. Let's move all the way back to the point where we go, all right, 
I'm not really sure what this looks like, God. Because I've just kind of dealt with you as God. And you're above everything. And I'm not sure what intimacy looks like with you. But that's what I desire. And I know that you've put your spirit in me. And your spirit is revealing the deepest things of your heart. And your heart is to be known and, be, and know me and to be known by me. So if your spirit is for this, and right now I'm confused and I'm backed up and going, this is apparently the most important thing, and I don't know what this looks like. God, I, this is all I can bring. Right, Daryl? It's the, I bring the weakness, you bring the strength. So I'm bringing my weakness going, I have no clue what intimacy with an unseen God looks like. Right? That's just, it's completely different than any other relationship. We back that up and we go, all right, Holy Spirit, you're the one that reveals yourself, the deepest things of who you are. You reveal that to us. So you're for this. I want to be for this. I want to see what this looks like. This is where we move from. This is where we come from. This is where everything functions from. So when we start living our lives, it comes from an intimacy and a time spent with him. So in Romans 12, Paul, after talking some more about spiritual gifts in Romans 12, talks about love. And actually that seems to be the thing um, if you look at the different places in the New Testament where different spiritual gifts or different giftings are taking place, you see love all around it. So in Romans 12, 9, it says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. So this is, what does love look like? This is what love looks like. This is, this is some of what love looks like. I don't want to be like, all right, let's define this and this is what it has to look like. So if you're not just doing these things, there are so many avenues and so many ways that love can come out of our lives. These, Paul's just like writing some stuff and going, don't think this is exhaustive. I'm just writing some stuff for you to see this is part of what let, love is. So Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. So all of that was various ways of showing love. So outside of here, go back, read this section, and go, all right, Spirit, show me what is going on here. What are some of this? Like, what is, like, how do I live this out from Romans 12? And you can go on to verses, you know, 14 through 21 and just keep reading, you know, all of what does this look like for love to be poured out of our lives. So, like, this isn't, I'm not going to break all this down. I'm not going to take the time to get into all that. I want, like, I don't want to just give you a pretty little package and go, here you go. That's the answer. No, like, let's just take that thing and just open it up. Find out what's going on. Like, it's not supposed to, I'm not giving you every piece. I want you to go home. That whole intimacy idea, that's where I'm trying to get you. That's where I'm trying to get us. I'm trying to get us to the point where it's like, all right, if this is true, if this is what it means, this is where I need to step back to. I need to figure out what that looks like. How do I, like, how do I become the living word. How, like, I don't need, just need to read the word to know the word, right? I need to read the word to become the word. It's so entwined with who I am that it's me. So I'm not reading the word because I'm just like, hey, I need to know about this. I need to study this just to show myself approved. No, I, I read and I study because it's supposed to be who I am, right? That's why we read. That's why we study. That's why we're in the Word is because this is supposed to be who I am and who I'm supposed to be and who I'm becoming because Christ is the living Word. And we're growing up into all things who is Christ the head. Like, that's who I'm growing up into. All right. First uh, Corinthians 14, just one verse from that. First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty six, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, 
a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So first thing I want to talk about is let all things be done for building up. Like that is the whole point. All of this is done for building up. We're all living stones being built together into a dwelling place for God. We are all temples. We are all corporately temples. So this is all for the building up. This is all for the growing, for the maturing, for the becoming, for the just edification, for the encouragement of who each and every single person is here. So that's what we're, when we bring these things, when we have these gifts, it comes from love, right? That's what we've just spent this whole time talking about. All of these gifts come from love because I see your purpose. I see your worth. I see your identity even when you don't see your purpose, your worth, or your identity because I have to look through the lens that Christ is looking because he is the one that I am in that intimate relationship with So the more time I spend with him, the more time I see the way he sees. And he sees you with a great purpose, with a great worth, with an identity that you have never considered. And so when I bring a word, it's because I love you and I want to see you built up. I want to see you grow into the fullness of, the maturity of, the measure of Christ So when we bring these things, it's all for the edification. It's all for the building up. It's all for growing us because we know and we can see the purpose and identity in each and every single person here. So then when at, at the very beginning of that, that, that verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, when you come together, each one has. When you come together, each one has. A hymn, a lesson, a revelation, tongue, or an interpretation. Let everything be done for the edification of the body. Each one has. Almost as if we have spent that time so closely in communion with our Lord and Savior that when we come, we are so filled up, we're bringing it. We're bringing that with us. I've got a song. I've got a revelation. I've got a tongue. I've got a prophecy. I've, got, I've brought it with me because I've spent so much time in my own personal time that that's what's coming out here. Not for me, not so that I can boast, not so that I can look great, not so that you can see my giftings, not so that you can see anything about me. It's because I'm doing it for the building up, for the edification, for each and every single one of us here because we're all together united as one. So we know when Warren's here, five out of six Sundays, he's bringing a word, right? That's just expected. Like, we expect that. One reason, he's spending that time with God. He's so filled up. He actually preaches half the message before people get up here. He's first spent that time with God and then he pours it out because he knows it's for the edification, for the building up because he sees your identity, he sees your purpose and he wants you to grow into who you're called to grow into and not just you because it's about us, the whole body. That's, he wants to see the whole body If each and every one of us is healthy, each and every one of us is built into what we're called to be built into. So he sees that. So we're all supposed to have something that comes out. And I think that some of us have gifts that we're sitting on. Gifts that we're not using. Gifts that we'll use on occasion once every three months, eight months, a year, every year and a half. These gifts are for what? For the edification, for the building up, for the encouragement of those around us. Are you stingy on your love? That's like, when we're not doing these things, we're not building the body. When we're not obeying the leading of God, and I'm not just saying we need to come up here and just like be giving words every Sunday. I'm not just like, it's not just what Warren does. I, I think, and I would, I would wager that there are a lot of people that have words that should be being brought, though. That if the signs that Jesus did, that, that they couldn't 
fit into all of the books, and he says, all the books of the time, and he, and he says, these things and greater things will follow you, and we only have a few people speaking, a few people having a prophecy every here and again. A few people, like when was the last time we had an interpretation of a tongue? When was the last time we had a tongue? So if somebody has the interpretation of tongues, we don't even know here. Like we don't even know if someone has the gift of interpretation because when was the last time a tongue came? Paul's going, no more than two or three. So many tongues are coming. You guys are going crazy. There's so much going on. I don't want more than two or three happening right now, all right? And we're going, has anybody heard of tongues? I think I might use it sometimes in my own personal time. But like, when was the last time like we had a tongue come? And I'm not trying to like make a big deal about tongues. I'm just saying like, we need to have all of these gifts functioning, all of these things happening. And if we're not like, if tongues is one of them and we're not bringing tongues, somebody else who might have the gift of interpretation doesn't even get to function as their body part. And we're holding on to that not allowing somebody else to bring the edification and the revelation of whatever you are bringing. So there's something of us on our side that we need to be going, all right, Spirit, what are the gifts that you've provided for me? What are the things that I'm supposed to be moving in? What are the things that I'm supposed to be doing to build up, to edify, to grow, so that somebody else can actually function in their gifts as well? Does that all make sense? Are you guys still tracking, still following what I'm saying? Sorry. (laughs) not really (laughs) alright let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 12 look at the body real quick we're just going to read this section Uh, 12-12 for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. If I come and I say, well, because I have the gift of, I'm not really a part of. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. If I say, because I'm not having the gift of prophecy, then I'm not really a part of the body. I have a different gift. I have something else that I can bring. That wouldn't make you any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, if everybody was bringing prophecy and that was the only thing, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the part of the body that seems to be weaker are indispensable. So if you feel like you have a weaker gift, you're completely indispensable. Like, we still need whatever your gift is. It, like, I don't know what your gifts are for each and every single person here, but if, you, if the way that you view whatever your gift is, if you feel like, mm, it's not that big a deal, I don't need to do it, I don't need to be, what are you saying? I don't need to be loving people? No, that's wrong. No, like, God, reveal the purpose of who I am so that I can see the purpose of who other people are so I can love them. Even if I feel like my gift is small and potentially feels indispensable, it's not because the whole body needs you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And, and on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no, in, there may be no division of members, uh, no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So if we're actually not bringing stuff, we're actually causing an issue amongst the rest of our body. 
If I have something in my little pinky, I like it, it affects my entire body. If I have something, if a little spot on my toe is causing me to limp, it causes my leg to do different things. It causes a little shift in my hips, which then causes problems in my back, which then causes problems all the way up. So if we have all of these different things, and if we're not functioning, we're limping around, like we're dragging our feet, skipping. I have no idea what we're doing. I'm just saying, like, there are members, there are things that we're supposed to be doing so that we function as a regular human being who moves, who does things, who actually moves like we're called to move and actually lives like we're called to live because we're all one body. And we love one another through the love that Christ has given to us. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all, humani- with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to ma- maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to belong to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So there's this unity all of us are just being built together into this one thing. And then it says, and Jesus gave, uh, according to the measure of Christ's gifts, that he gave these different things to, to the edification, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping, for the building up of the saints. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're being built into, is to the fullness, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're going for. So like when I see in our body, and I see in our global body that there is lacking, that that's my, like, if I see something, maybe that's something that I'm supposed to be into. Maybe that's something I'm supposed to be figuring out, like, God, are you actually showing this to me because I'm supposed to be something like what, what helps fill this? Am I supposed to be the one that either sees this and gives vision to somebody else or am I actually a member that plays a role in this part? So if I see something in this body and I go, hey, what is my role? Is it to, to shed light on or is it to be a part of or is it to bring light to somebody else? Let's be asking those questions. Let's be so intimately in relationship with God that the Spirit is, we actually walk by the Spirit then. We actually live by the Spirit because we're so in communion with Him constantly that that's our functioning, that's our purpose, that's the way we walk, and we just are so intimately entwined with who He is and who He's called us to be that that's our, that's our moving into life. A couple quotes from Robert Chapman, the guy that I shared with you guys earlier. One, my business is to love others, not to seek that others shall love me. So like, it's not, I'm not doing this so that other people think that I'm great, so that they'll love me. No, I'm doing this because I'm to love others. Let's make sure our motivation is right in what we're doing. So if our motivation starts from that intimacy with God, and we find more identity from him than we do from how others view us, that's going to be a good place to start. Did I say that right? I think I said that right. Okay. Second quote, to reform the church of God, we should always begin with self-reform. Schisms and divisions will increase so long as we begin with reforming others. So like that's where we need to step back. We need to go, all right, what are the areas in my life? What are the areas that I need to be having addressed by the Spirit? Because if I'm trying to reform other people and I'm not actually creating and, and working and letting the Spirit move and, and live in me, then I'm actually just creating more divisions, more schisms, more problems, more, more limping, more you know, broken arms, more whatever, twisted ankles. To reform the church of God, we should always begin with self-reform. Schisms and divisions will increase so long as we begin with reforming others. All right, I got three closing questions here. What gifts has God uniquely given you for the building up of the church? And I can't answer that. Like, I can't tell you what that is. But it does actually do, it does, I do play a role sometimes in this. And I think that's a role that sometimes we forget. That, uh, 
in Ephesians 1.23, it says that, that, that Christ was given as the head and that we are the fullness of Christ. That we as the body, the church, are the full representation of who he is into the world. And so if I realize that that's us, that's our role, that, that we are the body of Christ and that we represent him, I actually, I'll, you need my revelation of God. I need your revelation of God. I need your revelation. You need his. You need hers. We all need, if we need, if we want to know who God is, God reveals himself in different ways to different people. We all on, like, that makes sense, right? That's pretty simple. Like, somebody who's doing this as opposed to that, like, they're just functioning in two different ways. God's revealing themselves in one way, and God's revealing themselves in a completely different way. So we need each other to be able to get and grasp what is the fullness of God. So if we're not actually, first off, talking amongst each other, going, this is the revelation that God has given me. This is, this, like, this is the way that I have, like, that God's been showing himself to me or revealing himself through signs and wonders, sure, through um, things that have just happened, that money that has been brought in, or a door that has been opened, a job that's available, a door that was closed, a thing that has, you know, whatever it is, that God is revealing himself through all of creation, through all of our interactions. He keeps revealing his heart to us. So in all of that, I need your revelation. You need my revelation. We need each other's revelation of what God is doing. Not only do we need our revelation of him, we also need to know what is God revealing to me about you, right? So if somebody has a gift and I realize somebody has a gift and I'm not encouraging them to step out in that. I'm not like God's going, hey, this is like share this with them. Let them know that you see something because they may not see it. So this takes some of the communication for us to be doing these things. So what are the, what are the unique gifts that God has given us? Sometimes it is just us going, God, open my eyes, reveal to me what it is or You've already revealed it. Help me to be obedient. Like, help me to actually walk out what you've, what you've shown me already and I've just dug my heels in and not actually continued to move in. But at the same time, some of it is us going and going, I see this. God is calling this out in you and I'm supposed to be an instrument that, that cultivates that, that, that makes that become something. And I want to nurture that. I want to edify. I want to encourage. I want to build up because I see something in you that should be being built up. We do need to be careful not to find our identity and our giftings and our positions. Again, like that is something that can easily happen that we can just be like, well, I'll just function out of my giftings. Everybody knows that I can do this. I'll just get, function out of my position. Everybody knows whatever. Like it, that's not, like if we're functioning out of gifting and position, we're, we're messing it up. We're not functioning properly. It's just like I said earlier in Matthew 7, like did I ever know you? No, it's all about the intimacy. It's all about coming back to what is my function? Where do I find my identity? Where, like, if I'm finding my identity and my function from that intimacy and that time spent with him that I will be known by my love and the love that I've received from him, then my functioning and my giftings will be taking place properly. Second question. Where is God asking you to serve and to show love? Who's he telling you to talk to, to build up, to grow? Um, Where is he showing you? Like sometimes he'll show you something because you're supposed to be doing something. Sometimes that's not the reason, but sometimes that is the reason. So like open your eyes, like go, Spirit, open my eyes to see what is it that you have in front of me to do or that you're like, there just might be a reason you keep seeing this, whatever this is, over and over and over again. And for whatever reason, either you're ignoring it or just hasn't clicked or like, Spirit, just open my eyes to be able to see whatever these things might be. I don't know what they are. I'm just telling you, I just want you to unbox whatever you think of when you think of these things. Just go, whatever it is. I have no, no boundaries. You tell me what these things are. Third question. How have you received love from other people? Sometimes that's the way, like, that you should actually be giving love back out because you, you were so impacted by this one time that somebody did such and such. And maybe that's just exactly the thing that you're supposed to be doing. Maybe that's why it's such a thing that's burned into you is because the spirit has like put that on you to be like, that's part, like I showed you love so you can show that back out.
So bring your gifts, not to boast, not to brag, not to show off or impress, but to build, to edify, to grow, to encourage, to love one another, that we might mature into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our goal. That's what we're here for. That's why we're a body of Christ. That's what we're functioning into and we're growing into that we might see a vision of who each one of us is called to be. So let me bring my gift. Let me see you bring your gift. Whatever it be, whether it be from the front, doesn't matter. I'm just saying obedience from intimacy. Be intimate with that time with God. Whatever that time spent with him looks like, it's going to flow out. It's going to change your view. It's going to change the way you function, the way you walk. And that's going to be how things take place in your life so that these things might follow those who believe, but you'll be known by your love. All right, let's pray real quick. Father, I just thank you that you did see us. You do see us, that you know our identity, that you know our purpose, our function, our, 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 the way that you've called us to be and you've called us into it, that you've, you've not just called us into it, you've made a way for us to walk into it and you've actually made us all members and, body, and different body parts to take place, to build each other up and it takes each and every single one of us, God. So I ask that you would just pour out your spirit, that you would just pour it out in, in a way for each one of us that we would just begin to know and be known by you intimately by ourselves, and that it would change us corporately because we are healthy members of a body, and that we would see what you see in each one of us, and that it would be our love that spreads to each and every single person here, and that you would just move, and that you would receive glory and honor and power from the lives that we live, from the way that we've, we've been built by you, that you are the master builder and that as much as we're part of this, it's you, God. You are the one that actually is functioning and moving and actually causing all of this to be built together, God. So I just ask that your spirit would be rich in here. That the, your spirit would just completely move and change and get our mind thinking that we have the same mind as Christ. That we would have this same mind. That we would humble ourselves, that we would bring ourselves before you. That we would think of others as better than ourselves. And that we would bring our gifts and that our, we would walk out this, this life in love. And that you would continue to grow us into the stature, into the measure of the fullness of Christ. I ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>